Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you and welcome in this episode of the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, we are getting a patient's perspective from Melissa Del Toro Schaffner. She is from Arizona, and her perspective centers around having a baby over the age of 40. This is number 23 in the Patient's Perspective interview marathon, and I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Welcome. What is your name? <laughs> this is Melissa Del Toro Schaffner. How are you today, Rob? I am wonderful, thanks. It's always good to see you, Melissa. Uh, Thank you. You too. Where are you based? I'm in Peoria, Arizona, which is about 45 minutes northwest of Phoenix. Fantastic. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your experiences in healthcare, please? Well, well, I know um, there's going to be a lot of people today talking about a lot of things, and I thought a unique perspective that I could bring is that I got married at 40 years old uh, after a long, fruitful career, and I got pregnant at 41 after I got married. And so I had a baby at an older age, and I thought that might be interesting to talk about today in the healthcare industry. It, definitely. So let's talk about that. What um, I'm assuming just from my own knowledge, like any, any pregnancy over 40 becomes a high risk pregnancy, if I'm not mistaken. Is that accurate? That's exactly right. Actually, um, when I was living in Texas, in my late 30s, I still hadn't met anyone, you know, out of as of like 37 years old, I was still single. Sure. So a lot of OBGYNs were telling me just give it up, lady. (laughs) Like, if you haven't had a kid by now, just give it up, they're going to end up with Down syndrome, they're going to have problems, they're going to be deformed, you know, just if you want to have a child, freeze your eggs, and just, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best. And, you know, I have very solid values about fatherhood and and about familyhood. (laughs) And I really wanted to find a good father for my kid. But I wanted, if I didn't have children, that was okay with me. But I I didn't want to bypass, you know, uh, the normal way of doing things, of, of having a healthy pregnancy. And my mindset felt a lot younger than what they were telling me. So I ended up just throwing all of that away and finding doctors that agreed with me that I was healthy and that I could have a healthy pregnancy. And it was all really mindset. And, I, you know, my body was healthy and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just, uh, just for curiosity, um, you had this pregnancy and they had warned you that things were not going to go well. How did things go? Amazing. And um, the perspective I wanted to bring to your conversations today was the merging of Eastern and Western methods of medicine. Um, Probably other people have talked about this today. Um, I used the method of hypnobirthing and I had a doula through my pregnancy. So um, a lot of my pain management and my mindset around growing a healthy person inside of me Mm -hmm. was basically 
to manage my mind and manage the pain through what I was focusing on, eating organic, not, you know, eating, eating clean and drinking filtered water, not drinking, not eating excess sugar, not putting a lot of chemicals, but just using good sense from Eastern medicine of acupressure and acupuncture and good sense from Western medicine, which was eating right, exercising. And I think all of it contributed to having a a pain medication-free pregnancy. I I didn't get an epidural or anything like that 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 they have um, during delivery. And I'm kind of proud of that for myself because I'm sort of a germaphobe and I, you know, I hurt everything that touches me hurts me. <laughs> I'm scared of everything. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I feel like I, I was very blessed to find people who supported me in using both uh, traditions to support my, my, my motherhood. Yeah. Well, let me just say you're proud of yourself and you should be because um, that is, that's an accomplishment. So um, let me, I guess I, I've got another curiosity question. So you're 37 living in Texas. You still haven't found the guy um, that you've said it a unique way. You still haven't found the guy who you want to be the father of your child. Um, I'm, I'm assuming like, has this become your life partner uh, following this or, uh, and yeah. so, and so was, you're going on a date with somebody and one of the things in the back of your mind is, would this guy be a good dad for my still to be conceived child? I sounded mental. I'm, I was like the nightmare movie character of every guy's nightmare. Like she goes out on the first date. Like I literally told my husband that I loved him on the second date. Okay. Like I had already, I had, well, I actually worked with him as well. So I had observed this character for a couple of years and, I wasn't attracted to him when we were working together, but one day something just kind of clicked there and okay. he was the nicest person that I knew. And I had been dating assholes. So I thought this is the kind of person I want to be with. Like the nicest, everybody loves Jason. Okay. Everybody loves him. And I was like, I want that kind of person in my family. I want to make a good decision for a father for my child. And, and he has proven me right, even through our difficulties, even through our fights mm. Every single day, I'm just reinforced that I made the right decision to to choose somebody who was the right match for me. Excellent. Okay, good. Uh, have you met any healthcare heroes during your journey? Absolutely. I would say that Dr. Patty Ng and Dr. Lauren Elliston in New York City, uh, they, they work out of an office in Upper Manhattan, and they were... Actually, Dr. Elliston delivered my child, but Patty Ng uh, checked me throughout the, the process. Both of them were excellent in knowing that I don't like drugs. Like, I don't like to take, I don't even take aspirin or ibuprofen. Like, I just hate putting chemicals into my body, especially now that I'm over 40. I'm just really sensitive to, like, my environment and, you know, what's going on in there. But I would say those two doctors, I had my gallbladder out recently an emergency kind of thing. And here in Phoenix, there's a hospital called Banner Thunderbird Hospital, and they were amazing. That's a whole nother story that takes longer than 15 minutes, but they were amazing here in Phoenix. So there's good doctors everywhere. You just have to be willing to let go of the not so good ones that don't vibe with you. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the earlier conversations was uh, my conversation with MJ Calloway. We talked about um, treating patients. I, I was 
taking it to treating patients as customers, understanding that they can shop elsewhere if they're not satisfied. And she took it to the next level, treating them as guests, as someone who doesn't come because they have to, but someone who you welcome in and want to make feel as though they are important and you know valued. So it, I think that fits in really with the, the concept of what you're talking about. Is, is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I came sort of preloaded with a couple of experiences in my life from when I was a child up till now. And I remember, for instance, in the dental field, my dentists let me hold the sucker. Let, you know, they let me hold the sucker in my mouth with my own hand Okay. since I was a child. And just that small little um, allowance in the tech, in the procedures really helped me to enjoy it because I felt I was in control that I felt that I had some say in what was happening to my body, mm -hmm. which right now, obviously, we have some challenges in our country with that, obviously. Um, but it really helped me to trust the doctor because I knew that at any moment I could stop what was going on or, right. I, you know, I suck the saliva. I had orthodontists who were willing to create new procedures. For instance, um, I had to get braces when I was in my 20s and I've always looked kind of young and I was in construction. Okay. So like I was giving orders to guys that were like double my age and they don't want to take orders from a brace face, you know, train tracks kind of thing. But I needed to straighten my teeth. So I found an orthodontist in Seattle, Washington, who was willing to pioneer a new technology of like putting little nubs on my teeth for the Invisalign to grab onto so I could use Invisalign, those retainers. And move my teeth like braces would, which I had gone to four doctor, four orthodontists who said they wouldn't do it if it wasn't the metal braces. Right. So I just kept looking for somebody who would tell me what I wanted to hear, basically. Okay. Tell me, how do you walk the line between making, getting someone who tells you what you want to hear and between, and making sure that you're getting the right information? How do you, how do you find that balance? To be honest with you, I've always I've always trust my gut. Okay. So I always I'm very well in tune with my body. Um, if something doesn't seem right, I kind of know the moment that it stopped feeling right. You know, like if something is twinging down here, I'm like, okay. And if somebody tells me a procedure that makes sense, then I will listen because obviously, like vaccination, it makes sense. Now, do I want to get? Do I want to give my child six vaccinations in the same day? Probably not, but she will get all of them if the doctor allows me to space it over time. So I, I feel like there's a mixture of common sense and knowing your body and what, like your body knows. Right. And a lot of people go against um, good sense because they just don't want to uh, do what the doctor says. But it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with what makes sense. If surgery makes sense, let's do it. If radiation and that treatment's makes sense, which most times it does when they prescribe it, let's do it. But let's also not throw out other methods like, you know, clean eating and exercise and mindset and all those good things that help um, to, our bodies to heal themselves. Yeah. I'm giving your body the foundation, the foundational elements to, to do some self-healing. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. So yeah. what does quality healthcare mean to you? Yeah, I heard a couple of other guests answer this question, and um, I feel like quality healthcare is honoring my thoughts about my own body, 
I feel like when you come up to a stranger and they don't know, they don't know you from boo (laughs) and you tell them something's wrong with you, um, having some compassion, which I heard or empathy, I know it's difficult because that field is so full of stress. And, and, and like the the previous gentleman said, it's, you're dealing with a person on the worst day of their life, but not Mm. just one, that person, every single freaking person you talk to is having the worst day of their life. And what about my life? You know? Right. And I get that stress, which I'll probably talk about that in in a few seconds (laughs) because you have more questions. I know. Sure. Um, But yeah, I feel like the doctor willing to be, to work with me and what, what I feel would be a good course of action. You know, if I don't want to, to take this course of action, what are my other options that I can try first before I resort to something maybe I'm not as comfortable doing? Sure. I, and, but in that, at the end of the day, you're saying I am in charge of my care and I'm going to be the one that makes the, the ultimate decisions. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what, do so. you, what do you wish your medical providers understood about you? Well, it's difficult when you move around the country as much as I have, because there's no like central repository. I'm not, I'm not microchipped like an animal, you know, with everything that's ever happened to me, but I don't like to take drugs. I don't like putting chemicals into my body, even if it's aspirin, which is crazy. And sometimes I, cause it feels so good when you take like painkillers, but I kind of want to feel what's hurting and then feel that my body's fixing it. So I don't like to take drugs and I don't like when doctors sort of throw drugs at you, especially ones you can get hooked on like pain drugs and stuff like that. I, I would prefer that, that they would give me another method. But of course, since we don't have this continuity often with our healthcare providers, it's difficult to hold them to that. It's our responsibility to tell them, Hey, I don't really like taking antibiotics if I don't have to, but if I have to, then what's the lowest one that I can take that will help get rid of what it is that's going on. Excellent. Um, What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Well, to be honest, it sounds Pollyanna-ish of me, but I think take better care of themselves. Um, which is hard to do, I know, because, I mean, moms are usually the last person to take care of the person in the house is you. You don't take care of yourself before you ha- have to take care of everybody else. So I get it. Um, but I think that with as much uh, an energetic toxicity that comes into a healthcare provider's life with so much trauma and angst, I feel like some of that could get magnetized or stick to them, if you will. Um, and I feel like they had better care of the healthcare providers to help them release some of that. Maybe that would help the, the patients to experience sort of more compassion and more empathy because they're not reacting from a place of stress and annoyance, but from a place of like, okay, I, I'm okay. So now I can help somebody put on yeah. your own mask for what that's exactly what I was going to say is that you've got to put on your own mask before you start taking care of other people. And, um, such an, such a powerful message and a a powerful reminder that, and sometimes the system makes it really hard to do that where you've got to work, you've got to work a double shift and you've got to do all of these things. Um, they're, 
there needs to be a way to make sure that they are attending to their own needs so that they are better equipped to take care of the needs of others. Listen, Melissa, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate that. Um, I appreciate you sharing and I absolutely, yeah. And I, I really, I respect your perspective on healthcare. You take care. Thank you. Bye. Have a Bye. great day. Good luck. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.